0: Welcome to the Jay Martin Show my name is Jay if you're new to the show I'm an investor looking for the smartest home for my cash maybe that's just like you if it is I think you're gonna like what we do here now my guest today is EB Tucker best-selling author serial entrepreneur and legendary investor as well as just a crowd favorite here on my channel and I love catching up with EB today we talk about what happens when investors do too many steroids and what we're talking about obviously is, is stimulus and cheap money flowing into the market, financing companies that should not be financed. And there's always a day of reckoning that comes when that cheap money or the steroids wear off. And so we talk about the withdrawal symptoms today. We also talk about how to make money in the copper sector and where he and I are finding value in the market. I really enjoyed this conversation. I know you're going to as well. As always, if you enjoy my style, I write a weekly op-ed I publish every Sunday where I jump into the nuances of investor psychology. I talk about the heuristics and biases that cause our best and worst decisions as investors. I think this is mission critical. You know, even though I manage a portfolio of cash and companies, what I write about is managing my mind, which is the most important tool in every investor's toolkit and over 40,000 investors Uh, hear from me every Sunday, they seem to love it. I get great feedback and I love writing it. I learn a ton and my audience does too. There's a link right beneath this piece of content where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. Just hit that link, but here is E.B. Tucker, enjoy. All right, here I am with E.B. Tucker. E.B., it's great to see you. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. I want to start with your most recent newsletter, uh, The Tucker Letter, which, first of all, I recommend everybody reads. It's a biweekly op-ed that you publish, always entertaining and super informative. You're a great writer, um, and I always learn a lot. Um, last edition was on The Webman Story, which is you know, one of the companies in the late 90s that received a ton of very cheap cash, grew... From from a grew remarkably fast, but never really produced anything, and came crashing down. And the story was kind of discussing the similarity between cheap cash in finance and steroids in sports, and how you can see this quick rush and upside that inevitably ends badly. Well, it's it's
1: funny because reading that, you know, when I was going back, and and what happens is, just so people understand, is like as you're, uh, I've been doing research for 25 years what happens is you you get into these rabbit holes and it's just so much fun because you go back and read these things that were written years ago and you can't believe it i mean some analysts actually wrote that that in the 1999 boom that it was like steroids like the 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 more you can take the bigger you get so like how many can you take you know i mean that that was he was saying basically about taking on money i mean he was like you know, the more money you throw at the at the new idea, the bigger it gets. So, like, just throw as much money as possible, and it gets you know huge overnight. And the guy was he was like, yeah, you know, it's like steroids. <laughs> and and you, you think you know, you, you and I are old enough to know people that did a lot of steroids, and you're like, yeah, it's not a good idea really to do steroids because I mean, you you just like your your body is is you know like it doesn't it changes the whole way everything works. Like you have this in your body you have this homeostasis that goes on all the time like this balancing effect that your body it's like a magical thing that our bodies are capable of doing and when you throw in like tons of anabolic steroids you know you get like, huge arms and stuff you, your body does all these crazy things you know and then like 10 years later the doctors telling you like probably wasn't a good idea to do all those steroids and um, you don't even have the biceps anymore to show up for it and, and and that's that's the thing i think people don't understand about like what happens with free money, you know, you have when you have free money, it doesn't spend the same way as hard earned money, like you, you know, you don't spend that that money uh, with the the sort of diligence that that you do with money that you when you break a sweat for the money, you really think about the decisions differently. I remember years ago, this old guy told me, he's like, if you want to live on a budget, don't have a credit card, which, by the way, I'm not an advocate of this. But he, he said, go to the bank and get the money you need for the week. And it's like you'll be much slower to spend that money. And I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But, but what he was saying was was philosophical, right? Like, like it's when you had when you had a credit card back when I was coming along, it was like you know you walk with a credit card, boom, you just whatever you want, right? And and think about it later. And and he was trying to say like you know when you got to part with those bills, you know it's a it's a different mindset, and it's just it's so simple. And I think as we look at the investment climate now um you just think there's trillions of dollars of of money that created all kinds of distortions and so our job as investors is to is to stay out of the way as some of those distortions cave in because you got to remember Webvan went to zero i mean it went to zero it went to zero in a hurry okay and and it and it was a hot a hot ipo like really hot and 18 months later it was worth like a tenth of a penny and what's crazy is is that the whole premise was they're going to bring groceries to your house, which you can, now we have that. And so, and so sometimes like the actual idea is, is a good idea. And so people get hung up on the idea. It's like some, that was the problem with some of the crypto coins was they would tell you about this idea. And you're like, yeah, you're right about the idea. But the problem is, it's like, is like, it's probably not going to be that coin that makes the idea happen. And so you got your life savings in that coin. And it's like, you might want to be careful about that. And, And I think people really struggle as they get they get hyped up in the idea that, like, I'm going to change the course of history. and I'm going to make a fortune. and It's going to make my life totally different. And so I just think sometimes it's cool. Like people are crazy not to be reading the Tucker letter. Because, I mean, it's first of all, you read it for free. But I mean, most of it, at least. But the thing is, is that, like, all these things just keep happening. They just keep happening. And so when you go back and you spend a few minutes learning about a thing that happened 20 years ago, it it gives you a fresh pair of glasses to look at today. And and that's like the thing that I think people undervalue all the time. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, you and I do all the time. And that's what we know is like most valuable is that you want to like take a break and, and get out of yourself for a minute and look at it and say, okay, what's really going on here and and what do I want to do about it?
0: Yeah. And the the van story, you know, it struck me, for a couple of reasons number one just the name honestly in 1999 to come out the gate with a company called webvan when everyone is flooding to anything web based and you have this grocery delivery service which sure 20 years later ended up being a pretty good idea but 20 years ago uh was tough they raised an insane amount of money like 500 million dollars yeah. in venture capital yeah. another 350 million when their IPO with through their IPO uh, which, by the way, that,
1: that was a lot of money. That was a lot of like nowadays people are like oh, it's not that much money, but back then it was like a colossal fortune, right? Yeah, it was a lot of money back then. Yeah,
0: a lot, a lot, yeah. And I think their 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 spend on their twenty six facility build out was a billion dollars. Um, when they were became insolvent and uh, hit receivership, their assets were liquidated. As I understood, most of their assets were just groceries, which were sold to a grocery outlet store, which then just, then just Resold them at a discount. And I found myself wondering, like, what are today's web vans, right? What are the companies that have received an obscene amount of extraordinarily cheap capital, grown far faster than natural or should have, and uh, are having their day of reckoning, you know? And the one that we've kind of seen come and go maybe is Carvana, right? The idea that that people start buying cars from vending machines. Maybe it was early. I don't know. It seemed nuts to me, but, you know, they ended up running about a billion dollar deficit when everything came came out and uh like do you think there's a pocket full of companies that are in that web van scenario as a consequence of all the cheap cash that we've seen over the last five years and there's a reckoning coming evie
1: yeah yeah so 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 i get as you can imagine i get like a tremendous amount of information um you know come coming across my desk all the time and and so uh, one of the things right now that i'm fascinated by and anybody at home can do this is, is that there's all these um there's all these sites like uh, uh, Equity Zen and all these things that that what they'll do is they'll give you access to private uh, investment rounds for private companies. And I I don't actually invest any money in these, but I sign up for all of them so that I see all the deals. And and right now what I'm noticing is that almost every deal that comes across is what's called a down round. And and a down round means that if the company raised money in a valuation of say Uh, a billion dollars two years ago when things were hot, they ran out of money and they need some more money. And so it's what you would want to happen would be to raise money at $2 billion, which would mean that the valuation was higher. But instead they're raising money at say $500 million, which means that they're, they're raising money at a lower valuation per share, even though it's private, it still works the same way. They're, They're selling stock for less than they were two years ago. And so almost every deal that I see is having a down round. And, and when you see that, um, it tells you that there's some air coming out of the balloon. And, and I think that people need to understand right now that we are in basically the financial equivalent of purgatory. OK, and uh, by, by the way, if you ever go to Rome, there's a museum called the Purgatory Museum. It's hard to find. I found it. Uh, I, I'd seen it on, online and I had to go see this. It's a whole museum of purgatory. It's not very big and it's really amusing. Uh, but basically, the concept is you're in this kind of like waiting room between two different realities. And uh, we are in this purgatory period. And what that means is that the Fed, what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to withdraw as much hot air from the system as they can without... Creating a problem. Now, a problem is is defined as people start freaking out and destabilize the system and, and solvencies. And you, you're seeing, think about it, what we've seen this year, we've seen banks go bust. We've seen uh, private equity firms right now are struggling badly. Um, there's, there's a lot of real estate partnerships that are fumbling around, trying to extend loans and uh, figure out what they're going to do to refinance. And and what you're seeing is the most sensitive borrowers that that needed zero percent money to I mean imagine if you could can't make your company work at zero percent. I mean
0: zero yeah. percent like
1: is basically all, all the money you want. So okay, now five percent people are like, whoa, five percent. I mean, we, we can't possibly pay that much. So so this is still ongoing. And and people say, Well, is the Fed gonna raise, is it gonna cost? The Fed doesn't know what it's gonna do. It's it's gonna keep rates as high as it can for as long as it can to suck money out of the system until it creates a problem and then it's going to have to turn around and to add more money. This is a, there is no such thing as recessions anymore. This is a managed economy. This is a system that is not capitalism. This is managed capitalism. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to organize basically a way. To think about it like a, if you're a drug user and you, you try to ha- be able to be up for the times you need to be up and then down so you can rest and then back up when you need to be up and then not depressed on Monday and then partying again on Wednesday. So, I mean, imagine if you were trying to, like a chemistry project, you're trying to constantly manage this and you can't do that. You just can't do that. I mean, you can do that for a little while, Um, You can do that for some period of time, but you can't do that for a long time because what happens is, is that you, you mess with the natural flow of things and you get, you get outcomes that are not normal and they're strange. And so what that means is that like businesses that don't make any sense somehow, you know, end up somewhere really big and important and all these things. And then businesses that you need, you actually need them. Nobody wants to do them anymore because they, they yeah. don't um, yeah they don't make any sense and so um, look we don't have to solve all these problems like sometimes people get they get way too wrapped up and like well the Fed is immoral it's it's not really like that I mean it's it's just you, once you kind of back up a little bit and you just see like okay so what is that what does that mean well I mean look at the interest rates like like you know if you loan the U.S. government money for ten years. You pay like 3.78 or something is what, is what they pay you. And if you loan them money for four weeks, it's like 5.3. So, I mean, that's a total problem. I mean, that 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 means that like they pay much more to borrow for four weeks than they do for 10 years. And so, uh, we, don't, we don't have to get into why that matters. But like whenever you see that, the it means that things are like massively out of sync with with kind of what would be considered a balanced flow. Right. So. During, during that time, the number one thing people watching this need to understand is it's not a good time to gamble, okay? It is not a good time to gamble. And don't take it from me. Just ask yourself and your friends, how's your gambling going lately? <laughs> and <laughs> the answer is, it's not going that great. So, like, you know, you, you and I keep track of all the Vancouver companies. Like, there's not a lot of, like, hot success in Vancouver. I mean, I recommend that anybody – with an attachment to the canadian mining scene have a broker right like don't just don't just have like a discount broker but like get yourself a broker now the reason i have a several brokers and the reason i have them and they're very expensive by the way they charge like huge commission but they're very useful because you call them up and you're like how's it going you know and they'll tell you how it's going right they'll they'll tell you like if something's hot or if, so, if nothing's hot or they'll just, they're, they're like excited to talk to you, you know, cause you pay them a lot of money, but they'll tell you what's going on. And, and, um, and I find that very useful. What they're telling me right now is that, is that it's extremely dead. And uh, so my point is when the fed is in this mode of pulling all this money out, you know, you, 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 you don't, it's not, you could gamble on anything in 2020, 2021, anything you gamble on pretty much worked out. Yeah. And so right now it's, it's, the opposite. I mean, so in my, in my letter, at the end of my letter, you know, we, we, we run a portfolio and, um, uh, people hate the portfolio because there's only, you know, stocks that are up like 20% and they want to make like, you know, 2000%. But, um, it's just ridiculous because, because, uh, this is a marathon. This is a, not a spread. This is a marathon. And, and yeah. if you can beat the index and you can, you can have, Better than average returns with lower volatility, that's all you gotta do. I mean, you're gonna get super rich, right? I mean, you don't, you know, you, you, we're buying like, there's several companies in this week's letter, I'm writing at the end about several companies that we own are buying tremendous amounts of stock back. Like, like, like they're publishing, you know, every month that they're buying like half a percent of all the stock. And that's a lot of stock, right? I mean, like, it's a huge amount of stock. And what that means is that you have a slice of the pie. And your slice is getting bigger and bigger because the company is making all this money. And they're like, Does it doesn't make any sense to reinvest in the business or just buy the stock back. And nobody notices. I mean, nobody, I mean, this is like multi-billion dollar companies. I mean, nobody notices. People are just like, yeah, whatever. I want to, I want to gamble. I want to talk about Nvidia. You know, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, and NVIDIA is not bad. I mean, it's not, we, we wrote about chips. We have some chip stocks in the portfolio, but I mean, but 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 it's too like myopic. It's it's too. It, it, Nvidia is a huge company now. I mean, it's just really really big. And uh, and so you know people people get fixated on these things that become very popular, and they miss the big picture. That like you got to buy companies that are making money and that are that are in an uptrend on the chart, and that are in industries that you think you're going to get better. And what that means you get better is it means that like the wind is at your back in the in the business. It means that you're going to be you're gonna have an additional customer every day instead of be losing a customer every day, right? So, yep. so that's that's what we do. And I, I just see people just hate it. I mean, they because they want they want action, they want action. But my suggestion is get your action somewhere else and and don't bring your need for action into your money life because yeah, uh, yeah. it gets super yeah. comp super complicated. Yeah.
0: Oh man, so much in there. I want to pull on. Okay, so I'll start with a few things you said about. You know, you you drew parallels between like drug withdrawal and a reduction in, in cheap money and, you know, a managed economy, creating an unnatural environment with higher than normal growth and all of this stuff. And, you know, what you made me think about was this uh, study I read recently coming out of a university in Spain where they were experimenting with the growth rates of goldfish, and they had goldfish placed in colder than normal temperature water, and another goldfish, a sibling, placed in warmer than normal temperature water, and the goldfish in warmer than normal temperature water would grow remarkably faster, um, grow muscle tissue, uh, you know, skeleton, everything would grow, and it, it would put on mass a lot quicker. Then they'd take both fish and put them in their natural habitat temperature water, and what would occur is that they would both revert to the mean the smaller goldfish would grow up to the mean size and the larger goldfish would actually lose some mass. So it looked like everything returned to normal, except that the goldfish raised in warmer water, it's life expectancy would be reduced by about 16%. Whereas the goldfish raised in the colder water actually had a life expectancy increase by 30%. And it's a silly like natural world analogy, but like it's, it's, I think these natural laws apply to us everywhere. And that is just one, right? That you can expedite growth, but it comes at a cost. And even when things return to normal, you know, you built on a shaky foundation because you built too fast because the resources were too accessible or too cheap or whatever. Um, But it struck me as like that's that's kind of what we're looking at here.
1: I I I love this because this is very very philosophically true, right? And and um, in my life, so uh, nobody really knows what I do, like in my social life and all these things, like like you know, nobody can. I don't even try to explain to them. Like I just do <laughs> business stuff, and uh, I once I get to know someone, I try to I try to like explain to them that I decided a long time ago that this is what I wanted to do with my life, and in order to do this, I had to make certain sacrifices, and one of them was to to not live above my means because. Um, it's not because I, I have this as like a value or something, or like I'm some Quakerish kind of mentality because I'm I'm not. I love to do fun, nice, expensive stuff, but I figured out a long time ago that if I if I lived far beyond my means, that I would be subject to shock events that would require me to then go back to work in an office building and answer to some guy with a cell phone clipped onto his belt that was barking orders at me all the time, and I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it, yeah. and so um, I came up with this like management system for my life which basically looks kind of like picture like buckets you know and so any any time that i would have any sort of success i would kind of like divide things into these buckets and and the buckets are like incredibly stupid you know like there would be things that i would do with money that like made no sense and and uh you know like i live in a smaller house than you would expect and it's not like a tiny house or something but i mean and it's a very it's like an extremely cool place by the way architectural home with like two buildings and big wall around it and stuff, but it's not that big. And it's also not like really that expensive. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, but I don't have a mortgage. Like so people say, yeah, I mean, you could live in a house that's like four times, five times the cost. And I'm like, exactly. But if I go through a stress event, I might lose the house and I would probably lose the house at a time when nobody's buying houses, which means that I would like lose the house. And then some, see yeah. how this goes, like with yeah. what you're talk- talking about. And so I just like a long time ago, I just decided, I mean, I would basically rather like live like a peasant in some ways, but not be subject to shocks. Yeah. And like the goldfish like the, that was in the cold water, it's like that you actually live longer. And so like financially speaking, um you know, you, you live longer because because you, you're not subject now. OK, here's where it gets complicated you still need to have exposure to big upside, right? So for the yeah. goldfish, it's like you still got to have exposure to the occasional when you run across a big pile of food, you got to be able to like benefit from that. And so the the way I've done that is, as is, you know, is, is that you know, I've started the companies that I couldn't find in the market. Like I started, you know, Metalla with Fred Heath because we, we couldn't find a royalty company that fit our, our desires. And by the way, they, they just announced uh special dividend i mean i think people people miss this i think because they're too busy whatever they're doing this summer but what happened was we bought these royalties in 2020 and one of them was like cost almost nothing and Barrick, you know developed a mine next door and they wanted the property and so they bought the property for five million and we put a royalty on it and sold on the property so we still have a royalty it's amazing we still have the royalty and we got five million so we had to pay some tax all these things but we did a special dividend and I think people say, "Oh, it's, it's not that much. It's only a half percent." It's like you're missing the point. The point is, is that you got like eighty something royalties, okay? And these things are like really right place at the right time. I mean, it, like it's like in a fishing boat, and you have, have like eighty lines in the water. I mean, like you yeah. start really catching fish, man. I mean, when when you run across a school of fish, I mean, you got like so many lines with fish on them, you can't even manage all these things. So, I mean, you have all these royalties and 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 these things you know, we did all this hard work like five, six, seven years ago and now you're starting to have a harvest. And what's crazy to me is that the gold price is moving and the stocks are not moving. Like the the royalty stocks are not moving and there's no money coming into them and they're paying, you know, think about it, special dividend. I mean, it's like, it's it's just a trend in the making. It's not, this is not just like an accident, like one thing. And I just think people, so you got to have these you got to have this stuff. We we did Nova royalty, the same thing with copper because there's not enough copper, and everybody's like, well, you know, Nova came out and then it went down. Yeah, but I mean, Nova's got you know almost two dozen assets and keeps getting deals done. And if anybody that's been reading the news realizes that there's something going on with Nova, you know, the the company is is exploring its strategic uh, options at the moment, which I think kind of everybody can keep track of the news and understands what that means, but there's just copper royalties are super rare. And so my yeah. point is I started that because I don't want to just buy like HUD Bay or Freeport port or something like that to own copper. I wanted to own copper royalties. And the only company that really owns a lot of copper royalties is Franco Nevada. And you know, if you buy that, you get like gold and oil and all this other stuff. So I don't really want that. So we started Nova. We bought these 27 royalties and nobody cares. And you're just like, but well, these things go for like a hundred years. I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, it costs billions of dollars to make the copper mine. It takes a long time and they produce for a hundred years and nobody wants the stock. It's really nuts. I mean, like, so uh, these two things go together, you know, like the, the cold, the cold water goldfish. If you can be the cold water goldfish and you could also stay exposed to upside at the same time, to me, that is like perfect because that's, what's gotten me here. Because everybody's always like, well, how how did you, I, I, how did you, yeah, well, I hate to tell you, but I created this like cold water habitat for myself. And then I tried to get involved in upside when I could, it takes forever to do that, by the way. But right now, you know, we're in this environment where you can get the ups, you can just buy the upside in the market. You just buy it right there. Nobody wants it. And so, and so it's just amazing to me because people, they, they demand some kind of like secret to get ahead. And I'm, we're giving you the secret right now. We're giving it to you. It's so easy. We're telling you. And um, and you read my newsletter. You read it all the time, over and over again for free. And and people don't want to do it. So it just shows me that everybody is on their own journey. And they don't really want good advice. What they want to do is to make mistakes and blame other people for them. And that's okay. You know, because uh, maybe we did that years ago, too. And, you know, we needed somebody to be like, you know, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But But, but there's a lot, there's a lot of truth to what, to what you said.
0: Well, and what you're saying there is like rule number one is stay alive, right? You know, own the house, build the rock foundation. You know, what made Warren Buffett such a successful investor? Well, the first thing is that he's been an investor for 80 years. I mean, that's the first thing, right? He stayed in the game for 80 years, never got cleaned out. Right. That's, that's step number one. You know, had he started his investor journey in his mid thirties and quit when he was 60, He'd be worth about one percent of what he's worth today, right? But because he started yeah. in his teens and he's still going in his nineties, he's worth what he is. But it's just compounded returns. And you know, I'm the same. Like I, I keep, uh, I definitely keep my finger on the pulse in the speculative world. I, I love it, but it's the barbell approach. It's like rule number one is stay alive. Make sure the foundation's tight, so that if things go really south over here, I'm gonna be okay, right? And then I can go out there with courage, right? And 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 chase down the high risk. Yeah, yeah. And
1: because you're up. not, you're not you know, being like ultra conservative where you, you know, cause there's, a, we all know those people that are like, I don't take any risk. And you're like, well, you're not ever going to, you're not ever going to advance. I mean, ultimately you have to take, you have to have exposure to wealth creation or else you're never going to get ahead. But I think you're, what you're saying is the problem is is people confuse what those things are, you know, and they, they take risks that don't make any sense. I mean, they take w- when the Vancouver market's super, super hot, you know, they're ready to take a risk on something that, that, doesn't make any sense, but then when the when nobody like when I phoned the broker and he's like nobody wants any of these stocks, and I and I created you know two of these stocks for myself. I'm like I, I nobody knows better than me what's in the the cooking, right? You know, it's amazing. So like yeah, I mean, we, you take the risk when you got to pay a fortune for it, or you're going to take the risk when you know they're basically giving it away. I mean that, that's and that's the whole that's the whole the art of it, you know. But that's it's a lifetime journey because it's we've all made. Errors getting to this to this point, but people right now is a time to wake up and to say, "All right, what's really going on here?" Because um, if I can own that upside for ten cents of the dollar, I mean, whoa! That's you know, that's yeah. the time to move.
0: Hundred percent. Okay, so what I'm doing right now, I'll share with you is I'm I'm looking at a handful of gold producers. They're mid tiers, producing like 150 000 to 350 thousand ounces per year, with a, a path to half a million and a vision for a million. The reason I'm I'm looking at those companies is because I can walk in with no competition right now, and uh, and nobody cares. They're great companies, spitting out cash flow, um, and, and nobody cares. Uh, where are you looking, EB? Like, what's catching your eye right now?
1: Yeah, so so those companies you're talking about, you know, if they're if they're in good jurisdictions, they will probably get bought. That's that's what will happen. I mean, there's there's like huge M and A going on, um, and uh, the big companies have bought up about on everything they can buy. And so I think, I think the question becomes, how are they, how are they gonna make the next move? I mean, the gold price obviously is uh, made an attempt to to go higher three times. I mean, if you look back at the chart, you know, you had this like this, you know, COVID shoot up and then you had August of 2020 you know, COVID shoot up. Then you had boom with uh, the, the Ukraine invasion. And then you had boom earlier this year, you had it again. So, I mean, now it's, it's ready to move. If you see on the chart, it's like it's ready to go. And people don't understand. So what that means is like, what does it mean ready to go? Well, it means that gold is well-managed. Okay, we're going to, in the Tucker letter, we're going to talk about what moves the gold price. I think it's, we're going to answer this question because I, I actually know what moves the gold price. And uh, I'm going to explain this, not this issue, but I got to talk about Japan for a few issues, but after that. And uh, I think people are going to see it's pretty well-managed. Like You're not going to walk in one morning in the gold price. It's like a thousand dollars higher. It's not going to happen, and um because it's controlled by by, there's a methodology to it, and but you what you are going to see, and if you look back twenty years, you, you'll you you'll see proof of what I'm talking about. Is that occasionally it makes a little stair step up to a new level, and so let's just say that that new level is like twenty two fifty or something, and people say, well, it's only ten percent higher than here. You know, maybe fifteen. How am I going to get rich? trading that well you're you're not but what's the value of a a royalty when it has 30 years of cash flow ahead and um the price goes up 15 percent? and when you you know if you went to school for finance you know exactly what the answer that is and the the answer is it's worth a lot so um so that that's really where my focus is uh at this at this moment that's where my money is uh you know I'm a, on the board of these companies people can can see that and i think that there's there's been a lot of consolidation you know there, there's been maybe seven or eight small royalty companies bought uh yeah. in the gold space there's been more in the in the base metal space and so that's playing out real time and uh i think people should uh get a list of those companies in and get like a, a a watch list, you know, because you can you can like sign up for these watch lists for the news and everything, and just and just sit and like you're fishing on the side of the creek you know, and wait and watch because uh, uh, the news flow is crazy. I mean, it's it's you see and you see what's happening with Copper Rail, right? like Newmont, and Newcrest, and, and Barrick ma- making a run at Quantum. And I mean, it's nuts, yeah. man. I mean, think yeah. think about Barrick putting that news out on Quantum. I mean, it's like what what is that about? You know, it's it's like a that's like a, a hostile swipe, um, and it means that they're just hungry. I mean, Oz Minerals. Like, there's been so many deals, you know. And there's and the copper situation is dire. I mean, there's just not enough. There's not enough copper. Well, that move is only going to happen one time. That's it. Right. It's only going to happen one time. That's it. that's it's, it's that's one it's a one shot deal. You know, it doesn't move and then come back and pick you up and then move again. You know, it's not, it's not like that. And so, what do you want to own now? The reason I like royalties better than op- than you, the miners you're talking about, well, I do think a lot of those miners are getting bought, which is pretty good because you because you get you know that that tends to be your biggest. That's the time you want to own those things, you know, is that you get pop, you get those little pops. Um, the reason I like them better is because the royalties I can hold for a long time. Like like right now, the royalty business from a stock standpoint is terrible. Like the, you can buy these stocks cheaper now than you could when they were acquiring all the royalties, which is crazy. But the thing is, is that if the market is tough for a long time, I can own these things and not have to worry, right? So uh, the reason why is because I've I've already paid for the royalty. So basically, yeah. like with the mining business, I might have bad capital markets, I might have a mudslide, uh, I might have uh, some expenses associated with like litigation or something, and and those things add up, and then I need money. And then I've got to issue a lot of shares to get it, or i gonna do a rights offering, or things get really complicated. Whereas with the royalty business, um, people if they track this news with Nova, for example, you know, they see the company can hunker down um and and it can it can tighten itself up easily because its ongoing operations are really minimal. I mean, there's no yeah. you know, talking like three or four employees or something, and uh, you know, you, you rent like sublease and office space. I mean it's nothing. When you have the mining company, you Got like a couple thousand employees. It's very complicated, and so again, if you can own that miner for that acquisition, boom, that that's good. But um, if you told me two years ago the gold price would still be struggling to crack two thousand, I would have thought no way. So, right. right. So I think I think that's proof that yeah. I mean, if if we have this unknown period of time to wait, then I want to wait with a royalty because I can I don't lose exposure to that. To that upside when it when it comes,
0: I'm with you there. And you know, I, I when I look at Nova's assets, it, it strikes me as a company that could could probably do nothing EB and would be more valuable, much more valuable five years down the road. They could do nothing at all because those assets are just going to mature, right, and start spitting out more cash. They've done the right deals, definitely the first mover in the space. There's no company like them, which you know, attributed to the run up in the share price a couple of years ago, kind of a victim of their own success. The market got really excited about what you guys were building. I get it, Um, and uh, and you can't build a second Nova, can you? Because you can't get royalties on those mines twice, right? The deal. People people are
1: people. Yeah, people are crazy with copper. I mean, it's like there's just not there's a lot of gold royalties. Like, I mean, there's a lot of gold royalties out there. I mean, you can find small mines and little little royalties here and there. And um, yeah, uh, but but the thing is, like copper mines are, are pretty rare because they, the you gotta think about it. Gold's price in ounces, right? So like Troy ounce of gold, $2,000 basically, but copper at like 375, you know, call it even four bucks a pound to be generous. When you're, you're talking like, you know, 35 cents an ounce or something like that. I mean, it's, it's um just do the math, right? I mean, you have to like dig a hole, you know, the size of, Toronto you know to 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 dig enough to dig enough dirt out of the ground to process enough copper I love flying into um, Salt Lake City Airport and you fly over uh, Bingham Canyon I'm sure you've done this before and that's a like a copper mine that Solomon Guggenheim was uh, was was you know putting into production 100 and something years ago and and the price of copper was I I think it was like 10 cents a pound or something it was really cheap and you imagine if you had a 1% royalty on that because a hundred years later, you're still, you'd still be receiving the royalty. It's totally crazy. Right. I mean, the, yeah. you know, it's, 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 I think people just don't understand how, how different copper is and um, the copper boom is underway and people are like, well, you know, the price is going to, yeah, I mean, the price is looking okay to be honest with you. It's looking pretty good. It's pulled back and you know, the pullbacks in an uptrend are where you want to, take action for it with anything. I mean, everybody looks at these charts and they're, they're like, I want to buy the absolute bottom, but you really don't actually. As something starts. I write about ch- charts in the newsletter. And like I explain, I have like one chart that I use most of, out of any chart. And what you see is that you're an uptrend and you pull back and you go, you keep, you know, you do this little dance going higher. So every time you pull back, everybody's like, doesn't trust the rally, but that's like the time to, to make a move because, You know, you get a chance to jump on before the next uptrend. And it's like we're talking about big stocks here, you know, and like like we're not talking about like tiny stocks, but but uh, uptrend is an uptrend. And when something's in an uptrend, you know, it's really good to you just get involved in the trend and um, you just look at these. It's been so long since commodities have have really attracted a lot of money. It's been yeah. so long. It's just so long. I mean, if you and if you take like shale oil out of the equation, you know, it's it's it really puts a spotlight on how how long it's been since you had a real commodities rally, and uh, and agriculture really doesn't count because um, there's been a lot of genetic modification that's created um, efficiencies in agriculture, right? And that sure. really hasn't happened with with mining, yeah, because. No. Mining is still is still pretty crude, and so um, you haven't had those benefits, and you just some of the copper mines that are producing have been producing for a hundred years, and you haven't replaced them with new ones. And to me, that's just like one of those flashing lights. That's like you know, this is a problem waiting to happen, and you want to own it before everybody realizes it's a problem. And uh, for me, royalties have been the way to do it. I mean, other people have had success doing it other ways, but yeah. um, I, li- I like the royalties.
0: You know, there's one piece of news in the copper market that I'm trying to understand better and, and get the significance of. But I don't know if you've been following the, the Kobold story. So it's this is like the newest unicorn out of the Silicon Valley. It's a company backed by Bezos, Branson, Bill Gates, Mark Andreessen, Ben Horowitz, valued at a billion dollars now, and. um their mission is to create a Google Maps of the Earth's crust, and what they're doing is they've partnered with Rio Tinto and BHP. They're investing in copper, cobalt, nickel, and lithium around the world. And you know it's not lost on me what they're seeing, right? This is the Silicon Valley Titans seeing exactly what you're just talking about, that the supply constraints are super, super real. Um, And if they can tie up supply of those, specifically those energy metals, right, now's the time to do it. Um, They've been very public about them. They have no intention of becoming a mining company, uh, hence their relationships with Rio and BHP, but they're deploying a ton of capital and they just put 150 million into a copper project in Zambia, uh, but they're shopping for assets right now. And, you know, that's, that's. I, I don't know how significant this is yet, but it strikes me as is, is very significant that there's a a new unicorn out of Silicon Valley that's looking at, um, and you know they're they're bringing their own AI tech to expedite the exploration process because as you mentioned, right, it's kind of been the same for many many years, like a hundred years. We've been just spinning drills into the earth. We can probably do it better, um, much longer than that actually. Like in ancient China, there's documents of similar drilling processes to find salt brine. It's like nothing's changed in a couple thousand years, um. But uh, I think it could be really, really monumental if mineral exploration gets attacked by, you know, Silicon Valley billionaire innovation. Wait and see, I suppose. But in the meantime, looking to tie up assets.
1: Yeah. So, so that business is very real. Uh, the one of their key advisors, who was an ex uh, mining company kind of executive titan. Uh, uh, I'm in business with his son. So we we, um, keep an eye on what they're up to, but that's very, it's very real. Um, It's a sign, like what you're saying, it's a sign that they're walking into this industry that is kind of unsophisticated, um, hasn't evolved much since the 90s, and is not well focused, you know, when it comes to like traditional capital. I mean, there's no there's no analyst that I know of in New York that does a really good job of covering, you know, and you think about that in the context of, of what they do with other industries. Uh, and so they see an opportunity. And I think they're wise. I think I think that, that probably they'll be successful. And um, and I think that maybe once they figure out, like Pierre Lassonde always says, the, the place to find the next gold mine is next to the other gold mine or something like that. I mean, it's like the, the highest probability place to find the next mine is next to the other mine. So you're not really going to, it's not like you're going to find, you know, the next gigantic copper mine in a place that's never produced copper. There's been no signs of copper ever. I mean, that that would be rare. Um, And so, so you start thinking about, you know, owning a royalty on the area next to the other copper mine. You just think, man, I mean, if if you own enough of those things, it only takes one that's mm-hmm. that's that's it man that's it you know it's it's done and and the question then becomes like do you have the patience and um and because because you're not going to play that silicon valley game like those guys
0: you no. know like of course not. Yeah. phone yeah. call to
1: Andreessen Horowitz is like pretty good but uh you're not gonna be able to do that but but I feel like what those guys don't understand is how the royalty business works so there there's the edge right I mean it's um now I think they can figure it out but but they haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so and so yeah I mean it's this is all we're going to look back in a few years like we we're, we're going to look back and we're going to write about this you know and we're going to talk about how you know we the answers were all right there and um, nobody
0: wanted them if that makes sense. It's, yeah. Yeah. Look I want to I want to push people to your Substack once more Evie, cuz it's excellent. I love that you're writing a Substack now, by the way, uh, comes out every second Thursday, I believe, but, uh, like absolutely worth the subscribe. It's super informative, always entertaining, which is nice. It's nice to learn and enjoy it. Right. That's really important. And then the upgrade to premium super, I think reasonable, uh, to get access to your trustee portfolio, which is that bedrock foundation that we talked about for a lot of this interview. It's like start, go speculate. Sure. But do so from a position of strength. Right, and that's what you'll find in the trustee portfolio. Highly, highly recommend.
1: EBTucker.com is the way to get it, and it uh, couldn't 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 be easier. You know, just EBTucker.com. You can read for free. I mean, there's a lot of people that read for free. When I was younger, I had to read for free, and uh, so I want to return the the favor. And you you get a lot of content for free. It's not there's no there's no publisher. There's no um, uh, tacky advertising. There's you know I, I came from a background of being published for some number of years and, um, and the the marketing that that you're subjected to when you deal with that is like really taxing and it, it really kind of makes it difficult to focus and so I wanted to avoid that entirely now <clears throat> that means running on a leaner staff uh, but I think it's worth it because I get to talk to you you know you know from reading that you, you I get to talk I mean I'm working on the letter now so I mean <laughs> so it's like you know you're you're actually you know, it's, it, it's, it's me writing to you and, um, it's a journey, you know, and you're kind of part of that journey. You get to see what I'm up to and what I'm doing. And, um, and that's our, our communication channel.
0: I love it, man. I love it. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming back on. Always appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your trip. I know you're on the road right now. So enjoy that. And, uh, we'll chat again soon.
1: Thanks for having me. And I hope to run into you in Vancouver later in the summer.